Hi, and welcome to the Canine Translators Podcast. This podcast is dog trainers talking about dog natural training and all things dog behavior. We are your hosts, Tara Sturmer and Laura McClure, head behavior trainers at Canine Working Mind in Austin, Texas. Our goal in this podcast is to help our species understand canine communication and their behaviors. This episode is sponsored by Canine Working Mind, a dog natural training center offering one-on-one sessions, group classes, and more. Visit canineworkingmind.net for more information. That's canine working mind with a K. This is the Canine Translators Podcast, and we are your hosts. I am Tara Sturmer. And I'm Laura McClure. And today, we are going to be talking about everything T-Dog. T-Dog stands for uh, our little group that we started back in uh, 2010. It's Texas Differently Abled Working Group. It's all about uh, deaf, blind, deaf and blind, geriatric, tripods, dogs that are differently abled. And uh, Laura has a deaf and blind pup that you have heard us talk about, Forrest. I have a deaf dog named Flynn, who's 16. Um, used to have a deaf and blind dog named Gaia, who's a fantastic dog. I'll get into more about that, but I'm going to let Laura talk a little bit here about Forrest and what she does. Uh, so, yeah, so I guess uh, for me, I hadn't even considered uh, having a deaf and blind dog at any point. Like it was always uh, like when my dog gets older, that might happen. But I had never considered like going and adopting a dog that was already differently abled. And I had I adopted Forrest through uh, the Fuzzy Texan Animal Rescue. Uh, and it, he was my very first puppy to have as an adult. So I don't know how crazy I was for getting my very first puppy being a dog that couldn't hear me and couldn't see either. Uh, I just apparently wanted to jump straight into making everything else seem easy, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, <laughs> and so, but it is easy. It was, and it was, it was, I guess for me, I was literally like, okay, this is my first puppy and I'm getting one that's differently abled. So I like balls to the walls. Like I went, (laughs) I I did all the things with him and I I wanted to make sure I didn't didn't screw it up very much. So when I started T-Dog, the, the, the whole reason I started T-Dog now I've been because of Gaia. No. Oh, okay. No, it wasn't even because of Gaia. So I've had deaf dogs. And I've had blind dogs. And in training for 35 years, in the beginning of my career, probably middle of my career, I started working with deaf dogs because a lot of trainers back then wouldn't work with deaf dogs. And there was this bad stigma about deaf dogs that they would be aggressive, eat your children, and kill everything. Right. Right. Um, so, I gosh, I think it was 2010, 2009 maybe, I had a client here in Texas Andrea Flynn, who had a uh, deaf boxer named uh, Storm. And she was like, you know, I want to get my deaf boxer into training. And I was like, absolutely. You could totally do that. We use sign language. So uh, we started cutting American sign language in half, basically. You know, usually you use two hands. Yeah. Uh, But when you're holding a leash, you can't. So we developed uh, an entire vocabulary, Mm -hmm. hand, uh, hand signs. With one hand, this way you could do it while you were walking a dog. And it, you know, it was amazing to watch any deaf dog do work. Yeah. But then it got into uh, AKC. Andrea wanted to get Storm into agility. Mm-hmm. And I bet they were like, no. AKC at that point had a ban on deaf dogs in competition. No. Yeah. Because of the, uh, the possibility of them attacking another dog or a human. And I was like, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So I, you know, wrote to the, the board, they have boards for each competition, sent them uh, a letter. And, you know, in my experience of working with aggression, the most aggressive cases I have here, C have (laughs) absolutely no problem. They are able. Right. Um, Our deaf dogs don't startle. Yeah. And the reason our deaf dogs don't startle is because how do we get their attention? Touch. Right. So that started my I'm going to go full on, full on attack on anybody who says 
deaf dogs should be culled because that's what they used to do. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing with Fuzzy Texan and a lot of other deaf rescues or, or any differently abled rescues. They'll have connections to breeders or shelters because lots of people will still call those dogs. Yeah. And that's what Forrest Litter would have been because he's a double Merle. Right. And it's a, oh, well, they're deaf and or they're visually impaired or blind, then we're not going to sell them. They won't make as much money. So they take them to the shelter or they plan to take them to the vet and get them euthanized or whatever right off the bat. And that's how I got Gaia. Okay. Now, Gaia's son is the reason why we started T-Dog. Mm-hmm. But my fight for differently able started with that AKC thing mm-hmm. because I was like, no, that's uh, that's BS. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as you said, a lot of breeders will... Um, call the puppies and it's not something that we hear about too often now yeah because everybody watches them but back in the day i mean honestly 35 years ago you never really saw deaf dogs yeah um well that's why i think like i never even considered having it wasn't even a thought that i had as a child it was never anything it was just when your dog gets older they might lose their hearing or their sight but i i don't think i knew any deaf or blind dogs that were young Right. I mean, honestly, when I was uh, when I was younger, which was seems like a stone age, but (laughs) when I was younger, um, I didn't either. You know, you never you never heard of a deaf dog unless it was ancient. Yeah. Right. Um, But they stopped calling, thankfully, um, puppies that were deaf. And now they they do have rescues that will take them. You know, breed specific rescues will take Dalmatians if they're deaf. They will take, you know, uh, Great Danes if they're deaf and blind. They will take. Aussies if yeah. they're deaf and blind, which is great because yeah. it happens. Now, Gaia's situation was, uh, it's a breeder here in Texas. There's uh, a lot of backyard mm-hmm. breeders um, that there's no regulation for. So, unfortunately, they take these white dogs, pure white dogs, and they breed them to uh, merles or yeah. double merles, and they breed double merle, double merle, yeah. Um, and that's where we get the genetic mess, right, yeah. of deaf and blind or blind or deaf. Which is what happened with Forrest. Right. Now, Gaia was one of those breeding dogs. All of her puppies came out deaf and blind. Yeah. She was abandoned in Waco in the woods, and the shelter picked her up, and the shelter was going to euthanize her and her pups because they thought it was inhumane to keep her alive. Yeah. A group in Waco contact me. Of course, social media, it happens. It, they reach out, they contact me, and they're like, this is what's going on. And I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> no, no. Driving up to Waco. So, well, actually, I didn't have to. So one of the people that contacted me transported Gaia and her pups to me. And another lady had adopted one of her pups out of the shelter, uh, Charlie. Um, and when Carol, who owns Charlie, came down to see Gaia and the puppies... You know, we were working with Charlie and different touch commands and scent commands. And she had said to me, do you think Charlie can do agility? And I went, yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. Deaf and blind, I don't care. Yeah. So, you know, for me, the biggest fight was why would you put a mother, a mother dog down who has a litter of pups that was abandoned in the woods? She was able to protect and provide. For those puppies. Yeah. They were all deaf and blind. She was deaf and blind. And she's why would you, able to right, why would you yeah. think it's inhumane to keep her alive? That was her life. She knew it. That's how she walked. Yeah. That's how she walked through life. Deaf and blind. That's all she knew. Yeah. Why take that away from her? Yeah. Because you think it's inhumane to keep them alive. I think that's the, the probably something that gets under my skin the most, right? You don't have a right to say that dog won't have a good life. Yeah. It's that like, dog was already having a good life. Yeah. That's like, I mean, with people. Right. It's like saying that a person that can't hear, can't see, or both, you know. Yeah, right. It's their They're purpose person. in life. Right. Yeah. It. I mean, how dare you say something like that? Yeah. It's the same it's, thing with It's inappropriate. It's inappropriate. So I kept Gaia, found her pup's homes. Uh, Carol asked me if I could start teaching Charlie agility. Of course, that was one of those, absolutely, I'm going to do it just to prove the world wrong thing. Yeah. And then I went, this is amazing. And, and we started created. The oh, T-Dog. created T Dog. Yeah. So I created T Dog, and we had a huge group of people that would come out and, you know, deaf dogs, blind dogs, deaf and blind dogs. 
T-Dog wasn't just for deaf and blind. It's for any differently abled dog. It's for tripods. It's for seniors. You know, any dog that you think can't do it, yes, they can. They're just differently abled. And I'm assuming you made it uh, differently abled on purpose instead of disabled. Oh, yeah. I hate the word disabled. Hate it. I think it's it's. I think it's rude to say that these dogs are disabled. I think it's rude to say a human is disabled. Yeah. Uh, differently abled because they're still able to do everything. You just teach it differently. Yeah. So differently abled is what we call it. I yeah. hate. I hate. I don't like the dif- the di- disabled term. Yeah. Or label put on anything. Everybody could do it now. At the time, I was with my ex-wife who worked for Austin School of the Blind. Uh, she was a recreation person for it, which was also for me part of this. Wow, these you're taking blind humans to rock climbing. Yeah. And I was like, yes, I mean, I could do it with dogs. Of course they can. They would take them rock climbing. They would take them to uh, river rafting. Yeah. They just told them what direction to go. Right. Go over this far when you're reaching for a grip on a wall. You're going to use your left hand. You're going to reach up about 90 degrees. Now, yeah, I can't say that to a deaf and blind dog, but I can certainly adjust my training and have them live their life to the fullest. Yeah. Well, and that's what I think like with a lot of people when they go out and now at shelters or rescues, they might see dogs that are differently abled, whether they're deaf or blind or both or, or tripods or there's a lot of different like has neuro issues and uh, what is it? I think it's the like hydrocephalus or something like right. that. Is that, uh, I'm like, it's a lot. It's Hydrocephalitis. A something like that. Something with the brain. Uh, but there's right. a lot of different things. Yeah. And I think a lot of people shy away from those dogs, either thinking that they, they can't do all the things they would do with, you know, if they got a, a healthy, completely able dog um, or, they're thinking like the medical side of it of like we might be at the vet all the time. And that's not true. So yeah. and and so that is one of the things like we have we hold a differently abled seminar. We haven't done it in a while. It's a workshop. It's like four and a half to five hours, which is why we haven't done it in yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all about what the myths and misconceptions about differently abled dogs. You know, a lot of people think um, a dog that breaks its leg and has to be amputated, it's life's over. Yeah. No, they adjust. Yeah. One, they adjust to balance. I've seen tripods balance on their uh, on their front leg, and it literally looks like it's right in the middle of their chest because they're compensating for that loss. Yeah. They're running around just like any other dog, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and deaf and blind dogs. It's the same. I mean. They use their nose. You and they feel. You wouldn't know that Forrest was visually impaired. Right. If I, like, I even took a video. I've taken multiple videos of him running around in my yard. I took a video of him running around in your yard because he's mapped out your yard so well that if I let him out there and he has zoomies and starts, run, like, he doesn't run into anything, you would not know that there's any sort of visual impairment to him. Right. Uh, because he he looks like. He's just doing what any yeah, Gaia, does. Gaia, at that time, when I had Gaia, I was living across the way here. Um, and my backyard, the backyard that I let my dogs in, was about an acre and a half. It's a pretty big yard. Had trees. The steps that went into the house, so there was about 13 steps from the bottom to mm-hmm. the top, right? And I'm going to be honest. I walked her out there the first time, and I walked back up and sat down, had a smoke. I know nobody wants me to smoke, but I sat down, had a smoke, and I just enjoyed the outdoors, right? She worked her way all around that yard, and she figured out how to cup the... I never had to teach her those stairs again. Yeah. Right. Now, acre and a half, when she was at the back, a lot of people are like, well, I can't call my dog if they can't hear me. Yeah. If they can't hear NC, how am I going to catch them? How am I going to get them? Uh, First off, deaf dogs are more focused on their handlers than... Any hearing dog I've ever seen. Yeah, they have to be. Right. They have to be. Deaf and blind dogs are always going to stay next to you. They don't wander off. They're going to smell where you are and they're going to stick with you. One of the big things we've been talking about is tracking, right? The last couple episodes, we're talking about tracking and how well a dog does with tracking. 
that's what that nose. is I mean, innate. That's what their biggest thing is, is their nose. Yeah, it's innate. So you can use their nose. Like with Gaia, I would just spray a clove, uh, clove oil and water mixture. Yeah, in the air. In the air. And she would pick up her nose. Didn't matter if she was at the back of the field or two feet away. She'd pick up her nose and go, okay, it's time to come in. And she'd walk all the way back up the steps because she knew it was time to come in. Yeah, it was all scent-based. Yep. Um, so it's... It's hard when I hear people that say, no way, you know, the dog can't live a normal life. Yes, it can. Yeah. Yes, it can. I mean, Forrest. Yeah. And that's the thing, like with Forrest, he's probably like out of my pack. He's the one I've done the most with. He's done like Raven knows a a crap ton of commands and Forrest probably knows almost every single command that Raven knows. Um, And he's done tracking. He's done scent detection. He's done agility that's probably his favorite thing to do is agility which is why i'm trying to create a little course at home because he loves it so much um i don't shy away from taking him places and he he's a great advocate though because i do take him places and then people will see him and it's an immediate like when they ask me about him because he has a harness that says deaf because i just I want to be able to have it out there so that people aren't just rushing up. Granted, I worked a lot. Forrest does not startle <laughs> ever. And yeah, he so actually gets excited when someone comes up behind him because I've taught him that it's a great thing. And think about it, you know? So if you closed your eyes, your senses, your other senses are going to be heightened. A lot of people don't realize that. They yeah. don't pay attention to it. They're not open enough to do it. However, if I close my eyes, my sense of smell is going to be better. Their sense of smell is already amazing. So they're going to smell something getting stronger as it comes toward them. Yeah. Right? Just like a tracking dog would. They smell it coming closer. And not for nothing, but even if they didn't have such a good sniffer. If you're in a dark room and somebody is standing behind you and you can... You know it. Oh, God, you know it. You can feel it on your skin. You know somebody's back there. Yeah. Uh, Creepy as all get out, but you know they're there. Yeah. You can't sneak up. I have, and uh, we've even tried. We've had- I try with Forrest. I do. Ever, and it, I will. He'll be like chilling and I'm like, I'm going to sneak up behind. No. Nope. He you literally can't. like jumps up and yep. looks at me where if I happen to, to startle him and catch him when he's not paying attention because he's watching something else, he gets so excited yes. instead of this you know, immediate defensive state. Right. But so, because I made it a game in that sense where you don't, he's, he doesn't get upset. Now, do you do that with your, your dogs that can hear? I do. I literally walk around my house and I will try to goose them mm-hmm. at random at any point. I do that with all of my dogs, not exactly. just Forrest. Exactly. So all of my dogs also. Yeah. Right. My, uh, my hearing and seeing pack members all learn that mama is going to come up and goose them. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, a lot of people are like, well, aren't your dogs always on edge? No. My mm-hmm. dogs my dogs are dogs. Yeah. They're going to know it's not coming. So, if you it put helps. a dog out in the wild, yeah, they know everything that's around them. Yeah. It definitely helped because, like, with like with Raven, because she's a little antisocial introvert dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I take her somewhere, I don't have to be concerned if someone comes up behind her. Because mom does that all the time. Right. And I was super glad I did it because at one point I was I was leaving uh, Lowe's and as we were walking out the door and she's walking just right right next to me, staying real good. And then the person at the door reached out and touched her butt and her tail before I could even go over and tell them to take their hand. But she didn't even flinch. Yep. She's just like she just kept walking because she's like, well, mom touches me. My right. butt and my tail all the time. So mom must be doing something. Right. And it's it's something that we do with our dogs just to be as, as a safety net. But yeah. it's something that is done with deaf and blind dogs because they need to know we're coming. Right. Yeah. Now, um, a lot of times people think that the only way. Oh, here we go. Okay. The only way you can get a dog's attention if they're deaf or deaf and blind is that. Uh, here we go. Ah, <laughs> yeah, how to say it. I, I was like trying to figure out a nice way to say it because I hate when I just say you're going to I don't bleep anything out. And from here out, warning to the listeners, <laughs> you're going to hear some cussing. I hate those damn collars. Now, here's why. I don't want my dog thinking that they're going to get shocked 
or vibrate. You do not need that shit. Yeah. We actually had a, uh, the, in the workshop in Dallas, we had a, um, a member of the audience say that they were using shock colors because there's no way to get a deaf dog's attention. Well, knowing I was going to have somebody in the audience do this, I had all of my T-doggers at the back. Now, this building that we were in was a long, very narrow warehouse. And we had we had no room for chairs. I mean, everybody was just sitting on the floor and in chairs. It was just a packed house. Lots of people, dogs. At the very end, at the store, at the beginning of the storefront, I was at the back of the storefront. I opened up a bag that had clove tennis balls in it. We had four tea doggers that had been coming to classes and mm-hmm. learned that clove was a recall yeah. smell. Even with all the scent all that the was contained in that room, yeah. all four of those dogs made their way through the crowd and came to me because I opened that clove back. Yeah. Immediately, the woman with the shock collar on her deaf dogs was like, okay, I get it. I'm like, well, and that's why we proved that point. I don't need a damn shock collar to get my dog's attention if I train. Yeah. Teach them. There are dogs that can hear and see that have a horrible recall. Yeah. Right. Horrible recall. The only reason they come to you on a shock collar is because they're afraid to get hurt. Yeah. I have to or else something's going to happen. I mean, damn it. Stop it. For like a deaf dog or even a deaf and blind dog, then it becomes a, you know, like they have no idea. Why? What's going on. Right. They can't see. They can't hear. You're trying to get their attention. So you shock them. Well, okay, so now we give them a vibration, excuse me, is what people Sometimes say. Sometimes a lot of people, yeah, a lot of times they'll give either a, a tone or a, a vibration. Well, you can't give a tone to a deaf dog. Yeah. So it has to be a vibration or a higher level shock. Yeah. Right. So here's my thing. If I'm out somewhere and my wife is shopping in a store, I'm going to use her as an example. She loves to shop and I hate it. I'm in the supermarket or I'm in a, a mall. God for a bid. No, never happened. I don't go to <laughs> hate the malls. I hate them. She won't ever take me um, because I'm, I'm horrible. But just in a department store, if I'm in a department store and my wife is shopping and she's ready to go, if I had all of a sudden got a shock in the middle of that supermarket and I did not know why, because I couldn't hear her call me. Yeah. Think about that immediate hair trigger like what the hell's going what on? the hell why did i just get shocked yeah right i'd be looking around going what just pinged me yeah now yeah i might run to find my wife because all of a sudden there's pain coming out of nowhere yeah and i don't want my wife getting hurt yeah. so i'm gonna run and find her that's and, exactly what you're doing to yeah. a deaf and blind dog and then or a it deaf stops dog. but then at the same time it's like i still don't know what the what caused it? Right. It just suddenly happened. That's so I'm going to run store. to my owner only because I don't know what's going on. Right. And what the hell kind of thought process is that? Yeah. I hate it. I hate it. I think it's absolutely the worst thing in the world. And we are going to get into that a little bit more, y'all. Well, and I, I mean, I have with Forrest because, I mean, he is. He's deaf and he's visually impaired. And I have a very large yard as well. But, I mean, I've never had to use any sort of, of collar right. um, to, to get him. Um, I do have, um, a tracking collar on him. I do have a tracking collar on him. I use it for, for training purposes, but I also use it for, you know, if, if he were to, to get away Now I'm going to be very clear that the, the tracking collar that Laura is talking about is not a hunting collar with a vibration or a shock. No. We use GPS collars on our dogs as trainers. We go out in public. Sometimes we have to do off-leash demonstrations. Yeah. For for us, we also search for lost dogs. So we're using a GPS a, tracking a collar. safety measure for right. whatever reason that I might need it It for. is not a shock nor a no. vibration collar. It doesn't even make sounds. No. It is just the GPS tracker. So I want to make very clear that that's what we're using. And some people see those boxes on their collars and they're like, and they think are you using shock, shock collars? No, no. That is a GPS only collar. Yes. Yeah. And I'll be honest, Forrest has one. But so does my hearing dog. Right. My hearing and seeing dog has one, too. Honestly, all my dogs have some sort of tracker on them. Right. Whether I'm using an air tag or uh, the GPS tracker. Yep. Forrest is one of the dogs that goes out with me the most. So he has the GPS tracker. 
uh, because I'm he's the one that I take out to and like, events same, and stuff. It's the same GPS tracker that I have on Tahoe and Vincenzo. Yes. Because we do active searches. Right. And those are the ones you take out the most. Right. Forrest is the one I take out the most, so he gets the GPS tracker. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, but I've never even considered putting a, a shot collar on my my deaf dog. No. Uh, I feel flip. like it would... It would be detrimental to forests. Oh, and it would break my bond with them, right? I don't want them to be afraid if they go, like like I said, using me as an example, if I got random shocks in the middle of a freaking department store, my wife would never get me to step foot in there again. Right. I wouldn't want to go back to that place. I would remember the smells. This is if I can't hear and see. I would remember the smells in the area that made me all of a sudden have hurt. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to go back in. Startle or hurt. Right. I mean... Granted, it might be a good way to get me to teach my wife that I'll never go shopping again. But I mean, yeah, but I'm not, I don't want to do. I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't yeah. want to go to a department store after that. Yeah, and we don't think about that. And to hell with people saying it doesn't hurt. I'm sorry. We're going to get into this. We will go farther into that for uh, sure. So that Laura's going to can... cut me off so I don't get into the rant. But we're going to we have the rant. We're going to have the rant, but it's going to be in the next uh, in a couple of episodes out. Yeah. Uh, but yes, you don't need. A shock collar or a vibration collar. You can. Now, my deaf dog, Flynn, my uh, boxer, she is 16 this year. Unbelievable. <laughs> Love my girl. She's 16. Um, and I have never put a vibration collar, never put a shock collar on her. I'm going to use her as an example today because today, just this morning, I had a uh, client come in with their ranch dog and they're looking for extra work to do with this dog. So they're doing scent detection. One of the things that we do, you know, I love my nose work, right? Um, I, I take clove and I use clove as an attention getter and a recall for my deaf dogs. Yeah. I took that bag down. Now my dogs are here today, all of my dogs. So she is in her princess pen. Big it's this pen. giant pen in the middle of the training room because yeah. she's not going to. She's 16. She gets the princess pen. She gets the princess pen. So anyway, I open up the clove container and I didn't even pay attention to it. I started at one end of the room and I walked to the other and she followed me through her pen. Like and then I put it down and then I went over to, because, you know, I do all these things to set up the, the room yeah. for the client and I'm setting up for the room and she was just going back and forth, looking at me, looking at me, looking at me. And then in the very beginning, she went, she doesn't ever bark, <laughs> but she was mad. Because I kept calling her and not paying attention to her. She yeah. was following me. I can't get to you and, and you're not looking at Why me Why are you not paying attention? You took out my clothes. So, yeah. yeah. But that is how effective it can be. Yeah. Well, and I will say that Flynn is what we call the stalker anyways. Yes. Because because she's deaf, she does watch you so closely. She is. She is the creepy stalker that will just keep her eyes constantly. Yes. And you. if you watch if you watch the social media, we're going to actually put how creepy my boxer is and what it looks like when she's, it seriously looks like she's going to kill me because she's always watching me. Yeah. Right. But I don't, I mean, with differently abled dogs, whether they're deaf or blind or, or anything else, um, I mean, it doesn't mean that if you get a dog like that, that it's going to be like tons more work to be able to teach them things or that you have to keep them in the house. Like you can't take them out and do things with them. Like that's again, like something with Forrest, he goes out and he does anything I want to do. So like we, we've gone swimming. I've taken him paddle boarding. We went on a hike where it was a, I mean, there were some definite, like very steep areas that we had to almost climb up and he just had his little safety goggles on. Cause I do, ha- I use rec specs yep, yep. for him. Um, he's super cute when he wears them. But I, I only use them more because he can see a little bit right in front of him. So when it's super sunny and we're in a new place, I'll have him wear those so that it gives him as much vision as possible. But also if we're in a new place, I want to protect his eyes in case he runs into something. And now to that point, yesterday, Harley, my 13-year-old healer who can hear and see right now, like I said, we're st- my life is in an uproar. I'm living out of a hotel with my family. Um, so we went 
for this big field because she doesn't like the bathroom accommodations at the hotel. Yeah. Right. It's a six by six piece of grass. And she's like, give me more space. Yeah. Right. So I took her last night to this big field that's behind it. And the grass is high. She can hear. She can see. She was out in the field. She came back squinting. Why? Because she ran into a damn branch. (laughs) Hearing and seeing. Y'all. It's going to happen. It doesn't matter if they're deaf and blind. It doesn't matter if they can hear or see. Dogs will find a way to hurt themselves. Yeah. Yes. It's going to happen. I mean, it will. all of my dogs, had, <laughs> just last night, we got, we bought a new toy because I went to, to PetSmart and uh, we saw this cute toy. And so I got it for Fez because uh, I knew he would just love it. And when my wife gave it to him, he was so excited. He grabbed it. He turned around, ran, and then head first in my oh, couch. Yeah. yeah. Like straight into my couch. And right. it was just like, okay. So, like, rec specs should be on every dog. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they should. They should. They should be on every dog. <laughs> Protecting Certainly every dog. Harley, because she can't see a stick, apparently, that's in front of her face. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, Fez ran into the couch, and it hasn't moved right. since I've gotten him. <laughs> yes. Right. So, so, it doesn't matter if they're hearing and seeing. You're going to do the same thing. Now, so many people pass up blind dogs or deaf and blind dogs or deaf dogs because they think they're going to have, like I, like you said. Just more work. Medical. And that's kind of what I thought. Like, I was... I was super excited to get Forrest. I was literally like, all right, first puppy, and I'm just going to dive straight into it. But he was so easy to to teach. And I I mean, I've gotten Kevin and Fez after him, and they can see and hear. And Forrest was the easiest dog, easiest puppy I've ever had. Um, Because Kevin and Fez definitely gave me more work in regards to things like even something as simple as potty training. Like I did teach Forrest to use bells on the door um, to let me know if he had to go outside. And he picked that up so fast. He can't hear the bells, but I taught him to go and rub up against the door. And so now that's what he does. He'll go over there and nose the bell or rub up against the bells, even though he can't, he can't always see them and he can't always, he can't hear them. Right. Um, But he learned that so Quick. Yep. My other dogs, not so much. Not so much. And Forrest knows, he knows <laughs> sign language. If I'm right in front of his face, he can see. He also knows all his touch commands where I can touch him in a specific part of his body a specific number of times. Even. Right. And that's how we teach. So when you take a hearing and seeing dog into a class, you have to teach them and guide them. We call it training wheels. We keep them on the training wheels and lure them with treats. We do the same thing with a deaf dog or a yeah. deaf and blind or a blind or even a clefty. Yeah. Right? Like Those are T-doggers as well. Yeah. Right? You're still going to teach the dog the commands that all hearing and seeing dogs can do. Just different technique. Yeah. You have to think outside the box. You can... Um, and, and some trainers, I'm happy to see a lot of trainers nowadays are doing it. And I'm yeah. so stoked because there was such a small group of us that would do it back 20 years ago. Yeah. Now there's a lot more people, thank God, that are doing it, right? Yeah. It's just a matter of teaching them differently. It's not a challenge. Yeah. It's not They just hard. have a different way to learn. Right. They're yes. not medically fragile, y'all. Unless, now I'm going to say, unless you have a cleft palate dog, right? That you have to be a little bit more uh, alert. You've got to watch what kind of treats you're giving right. to them and water. But they're still stuff. learning. Right. They get, Kevin can still do all the things. So she has, so Laura has a clefty. Um, she has a fountain that he can drink out of right. instead of sticking his whole face in it, right? right? You can't give him sticky treats. But, I mean, a lot of people don't use sticky treats because they think yeah. it's gross anyway. Yeah. I mean, he... he still does all the things and he's the happiest dog ever. Right. <laughs> but, you know, there's... You you could go out and save a deaf dog, save a deaf and blind dog, save a tripod, save a senior, a clefty. You can do this because it's not this massive change in your life. It's not, y'all. Yeah. You don't have to keep that dog locked up in its house. We actually encourage people not to. It's not fair to the dog to be stuck in a room four by four because, good Lord, it might get hurt. Yeah. Y'all, every dog is going to seek out a way to injure you, injure themselves, so you have to spend money at the vet. Well, and you might... 
you know, adopt a an able dog that can see and hear, but you never know what's going to happen. I right. mean, you never know that they could lose their hearing or lose their sight suddenly. Yes. Like very quickly for a medical reason or it just happens and they might still be young. It might not be when they're seniors. Right. Epilepsy. Yeah. This is another differently able thing, right? Now, epilepsy usually hits and and we're going to have a vet on here at some point to to clear up all my medical because if I'm wrong, don't yell at me, y'all. <laughs> um, I believe it's usually around two to four that epilepsy actually shows. Yeah. I might be wrong. And if I am, don't kill me. <laughs> um, but I know with Gaia, she had epilepsy and it didn't show up until she was about three. Yeah. Uh, a couple of our clients have had dogs, perfectly healthy, young, strong dogs, yeah. cleared all checkups when they were younger. They developed epilepsy when they were around two, three. Yeah. Um, and it's something that just happens. It's not something that we expect. That's it's like with Duck. Duck. I yeah. mean, we have a client that she, um, Duck is a, she's young still. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has done a lot of training with her. And she did my basic agility class when Duck could still see. see. And Duck was great in the class. And then she lost her sight very quickly. It was a very, like, it started happening. And then now it's, she has hardly any, if any at all at this point, I think. But she still came and did the intermediate agility class. Yep. And we just retaught a lot of the things using scent. Right. Because she already knew, she could still hear her mom's commands, but... It was her learning how to re-navigate, but she still did it. Right. She still did all the things Charlie. that all the other dogs did. I'm going to say Charlie, Gaia's son. Charlie did all of the agility, right? Um, he I mean, did, teeter, dog walk. God, he did like, all of the agility. T- tunnels. Deaf and blind. He did all the agility. He did, um, yeah, he did heel work. He did uh, canine good citizens. He was phenomenal that dog was an amazing student yeah right and it didn't take any more than it would have for anybody else in any other class now at first we put charlie in our regular hearing seeing um obedience classes and we just put him through the motions yeah. and we just taught him differently yeah and i'm gonna say i know i said regular please don't haunt me for that one uh, it wasn't a t-dog that's what i mean by that yeah. okay it wasn't a specific for differently abled it was a Hearing, seeing, just all, all basic the dogs, obedience class. class. Yeah. And we had Charlie in the basic. And that's when Carol asked me if I could do agility with him. And I said, yes, let's do it. Yeah. I taught him how to heal in position. He couldn't hear and see. It was touch. Yeah. Right. Now, all of his commands were touch and scent. He would come to a clove scent. He would get into heel position by tapping his cheeks. How did we do it? We figured out how a dog's body naturally moves. Yeah. Think outside the box, right? Well, that's right? like Forrest is probably my best healer in, in my pack. Right. He's better than my hearing and seeing dogs, but that's because his focus is so much on me. Right. Because he needs to be more focused on me. And so if he wants to know what's next, he's got to look to me for it. That's right. Because uh, he can't hear me. But honestly, Charlie was in a basic obedience with all the hearing and seeing dogs. Yeah. And he did everything that those hearing and seeing dogs did. Yeah. Which is what sparked Carol to want to go further, which was fantastic. She really took him. I mean, she really did. She that's, did one of That's stuff. why I like taking Forrest to the schools and stuff when we go and do things at schools oh, with yeah. kids. Because I think it's important for, he's a great advocate or any differently able dog is a great advocate for the kids out there that that are differently abled. Right. You know, they're not disabled kids. Right. They just learn differently or they have to do things differently than their classmates. But that doesn't mean that they can't do it. Right. It just means that we have to take the time to teach them in a different way. Right. Exactly. And that is the whole point of T-Dog and this podcast today is, yes, they can learn. Yeah. They learn just a different technique. The same things, just a different technique. Don't shy away from getting a differently abled dog. There, it's so rewarding. Right. I, I am. I mean, Forrest is one of my dogs that I, I I don't play favorites with my pack, but we definitely have a special 
bond. Okay. You don't play favorites. I don't play. I try not to play favorites with my pack, Ah. but he definitely, we have that special bond because he was my first puppy and, and because he's my first differently abled. And I mean, anybody that sees us together that, that you can see it, that we have a very special bond. Um, but I feel very rewarded and blessed to have him. Um, and that I wasn't, I didn't shy away from the fact that he was deaf and blind. Right. It didn't keep me from going and seeing his picture and going like, I feel like that's supposed to be my dog. Like he's looking at me as a 12 week old puppy. And I'm like, that it's just the feeling you get. It's just one of those times when you see the dog and you're just like, Oh, that dog's supposed to be mine. Vincenzo, my melted chocolate chip cookie, y'all. Um, I, I hadn't had a Roddy in 11 years cause I didn't have the heart to. And then I, as soon as Natalie, I, I was like, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you're that's right. mine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's what I felt like with Forrest. And it's just, it has been very rewarding. And so it's, it's sad for me when I have people that, you know, either shy away from it or think that they can't do it. Or when they look at Forrest or any of our other differently abled and they have the feel bads and they're like, oh, they can't hear. Oh, oh they that. can't see. My Nana does it all the time I hate that. because she feels so bad that he can't. And I'm like, he doesn't know that he's different. This yeah. is his life. Right. And he is happy. Right. They don't know. And we do. I, I used to come across it a lot with uh, Flynn. Uh, in her younger days when we yeah. took her to events and such. Um, and we do, you know, uh, Puppy Mill Awareness Day. Yeah. Uh, they were the first, I'm going to say, big shout out to them. They were the first event that asked T-Dog to come and put on a demonstration. Why? Because all of the other groups that did events were worried about the liability. Mm. And I was so angry. I was like, you have got <laughs> To be shitting me, right? <laughs> One, the dogs are here. It comes in New York. <laughs> the dogs are on leash. Two, my clients have worked very hard on these dogs. Yeah. Three, these dogs probably know more than the hearing and seeing dogs at your damn that event. They're going to be there anyway. But P P Mad Puppy Mill Awareness Day, Courtney uh, is just uh, an incredible person and one of my close friends. And she said, but, uh, "I will never forget it." She's like. Hey, will you do it? Will you? I'm like, absolutely. Hell yes. Yeah. We got up on stage with all of our differently able dogs. While we were there, we had so many people going, oh, I feel so bad for them. And I'm like, my dog knows more stuff than your dog. Yeah. I feel bad for your dog because they don't know all of these commands. Yeah. That's what I tell. I'm like, stop feeling bad for He's fine. Right. Like if he bumps into something, she's like, oh, and I'm like, he's fine. He's made of rubber. It's okay. And honestly, he adjusts. Harley. I just talked about Harley, right? She that runs into things. She runs into things all the time. She needs a helmet. Yeah. I mean, so it's just. that I can see in here, y'all. And I, she needs yeah. a helmet in her normal life. No, I, I need a helmet in my normal life. That's and true. I can see that in That is here. true. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> we need bubble wrap for everybody. So, I mean, it's just. he can do everything. So therefore it's just, I don't have the feel bads for him because he is super happy and he doesn't miss out on any opportunities. I mean, we're going to be going on a trip later this uh, year for my 10 year wedding anniversary. Unreal. I know. And I'm taking Forrest. He's going to go with us to a different state. We're going to go on hike. I know, man. (sighs) <laughs> I can't imagine. I don't get an opportunity to say that too often. It's awesome. 10 but year anniversary. We're going to be going and, and we're going to take him on a, a crap ton of hiking trails up in Colorado. And I'm excited. And I know he's going to freaking love it. Yep. Even though it's a brand new place, he's never been there, but he's going to have so much fun. And I'm not worried about taking him to this new location because I know he's going to adapt and he's going to look to me for the cues. Right. And I'm going to be the one that can help so, him have that fun. And, and on that note, too, with hiking, right, we have a we have a client and this is one of our personal experiences that I, I, I'd love to talk about. Uh, I had a client back in the day, um, Sean and Ina. Mm-hmm. And they had Boomer mm-hmm. and we met at the um, Williamson County shelter i was there doing an event and they had come up because boomer was spinning in circles and they didn't know how to get him to stop mm-hmm. and um they were really which, nervous which about direction it. to the left yeah to the left to the left <laughs> yes sorry differently abled dogs um they don't have that part we're going to talk about that a little bit might as well right yeah so differently abled dogs whether they're deaf whether they're blind deaf and blind um 
they tend to spin to the left. Um, and all of my years, all of my years of doing this, I have always seen differently able spin to the left. Now, my ex-wife had explained to me that blindisms happen in humans, you know, when they rock or they, uh, they constantly fidget or they constantly yeah. do something. It's called, they call it blindisms, right? Um, so I started really researching it and looking into it and paying attention more because I was like, why is it always yeah. to the left? Yeah. It is always to the left. And her explanation that they use with humans is um, that part of their brain is not getting the stimulation that we would get. Like we're sitting here, we can hear the background cat that's making all this sound. Sorry, y'all. Yeah. Um, we can see, you know, the leaves the blowing. Around, you know, so things you might not notice you, that you're, you're not seeing. Right. You're not noticing it. And your brain stimulates that part of your brain. When they don't get it, they get these blindisms. Now, a a deaf dog, blind dog, differently abled dog tends to get these blindisms, but they spin to the left. So Ina and Sean had asked me if I would look at Boomer and help them out. And I said, yeah, well, funny fact here is I found out that there's two pressure points from trial and error, two mm -hmm. pressure points right in the mid shoulders yeah. of um, all dogs Yeah, that will help them uh, stimulate that part of their brain. Yeah. Trial and error. And y'all, if, if you have uh, come here, you know I obsess over figuring out puzzles. Yeah. Well, I figured out that those shoulder blades, uh, those points on the shoulder blades, that is what stimulates that part of the brain. So if they wear a harness that hits that point yeah. on their shoulder blades, that part of their brain gets the stimulation it needs and they don't have the blindisms. And that's what, with Forrest, when he was a puppy, he was doing it a lot. And so then I started having him wear his harness yep. all the time. We did it with Boomer, yeah. and they said it was incredible, the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Because the moment, if he did start, all I had to do was was grab the handle just to put that slight pressure, and then he would stop. Right. Now, with Boomer, he stopped doing his, his little left turns, right? And Sean and Ina... I loved following them on social media because they took Boomer everywhere. He would yeah. go in their RV with him. That dog had such a beautiful life. They were one, I mean, and I, I say were, he had passed. It was the saddest thing I've ever seen because they did so much with this dog. He lived such a wonderful and fulfilled life, even though he was deaf and blind. Yeah. Why? Because they did not let a differently abled um, quality Stop them from letting their dog enjoy life. Yeah. And they took him everywhere. He went hiking all the time, new places. They went camping with him. They went yeah. swimming. He was amazing, deaf and blind. Why? Because they took the time to get him out more. You can do it, y'all. Yeah. It's not these, your dog, if it's deaf, if it's blind, if it has any differently able quality, they still have the ability to achieve. Yeah. You just find that, find the way to be able to communicate and teach them. And, uh, and then, like I said, it, it is extremely rewarding to have that, the differently able dog and be able to go out there and, and be their advocate. Absolutely. Show, show everybody else that your dog can do everything that anybody else's dog can do. That's right. And you literally help a dog live its fullest. Yeah. Right. Instead of being cooped up. I mean, think about it. Even dogs side. that aren't differently able, then we're going to get into this a little bit more with our <clears throat> other podcasts. Um, <laughs> Uh, but even dogs that can hear and see, we see them on a daily basis that don't ever get out. Yeah. They're frustrated, right? Yeah. They're whining. They're destroying stuff. They're biting people because people don't get the dogs out. Yeah. doesn't matter if they're differently abled or if they can hear and see. Get them out. Do yeah. stuff, y'all. Differently abled dogs, you can adopt one. You can live a wonderful life with a differently abled dog and make a huge difference. Yep. And there's some great groups out there yes. that, that support those differently abled groups. I mean, like I said, I got mine, uh, Forrest and Kevin from Fuzzy Texan because they're and doing some great things. And there's, there's advocacy of, groups yes. out there. And that's something that, um, our next, uh, episode next time we're going to be bringing in, uh, a guest, uh, Laura Lee is going to come in and talk about her group, the Unstoppables Project. Yep, which is a, a group that she'll go into much more detail about it. But it's all about differently abled and and supporting differently abled and dogs, ha having resources out there right. for, for people with differently abled dogs. Right. And uh, we're excited to have her on yes. next week. Um, but yeah, there you know, there's there's things out there now that 
everybody can do this. It's right. it's wonderful. Don't give up. If your dog loses sight suddenly, don't give up, y'all. Yeah. You can still, even if you've had your dog for two years, four years, six years, and all of a sudden they lose their sight because it could happen. Yep. You can still get your dog to live its life. Fun. It's Phyllis. Yes. Okay. Um, rock on. You have anything else here? No. All right. So I think we've covered it. Um, and we really appreciate y'all tuning in every week. I love it. I keep hearing people say that they want us to do this more than once a week. And <laughs> as much as Laura and I love hashtag hashing out stuff on, on podcasts, we do not have the time. Yet. I mean, we have to sleep at some point. Yes. Yeah. And, um, I would love to do it every day, but I am not a radio show host. No. Uh, you can listen to Bobby Bones though. He's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> but, uh, but if you have questions or if maybe you have a differently able dog, maybe you're thinking about getting out a differently able dog. I mean, shoot us an email yeah, or leave please. a comment. I mean, if you have questions or you want resources, we do have a T-Dog class. I'm actually going to be starting that T-Dog yep. class up again uh, for the summer. And uh, we do have a class for that. And even if you don't want to do the T-Dog class and you just want to learn how to communicate with your differently abled dog, uh, I mean, find a trainer out there that will communicate with them appropriately. Not uh, shock colors. Yeah. And, uh, and start getting them out there. Right. Right. Um, and if you, uh, are interested in training and you're in the Texas area, even if you're not, um, if you are looking for, um, training with your differently able dog or hearing and seeing dog, I don't care. Um, if you are out there, even if you're not in Texas, we have the ability to do things via zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have people all over the world yeah. that we work with via Zoom. So we can do it with you via Zoom if you needed. Our training end of the business, if you were interested in contacting us, is K9, the letter K, the number nine, workingmind at gmail.com. Okay, that's the training end. Our training facility, physical facility is in Austin, Texas, but we can help you even if you're across the world, okay, via Zoom. Now, if you have questions, comments, if you have a great success story about a differently abled dog, email us here for the podcast. We would love to bring it up on air. Um, Our email at the podcast is info at the letter K, the number nine, translators.com. Again, that's info at k9translators.com. Please remember to like, subscribe, share. The yep. podcast. If you know somebody that has a differently able, please share it. Yeah. Um, and let us know if you like us, if you hate us. I don't <laughs> care if you're a hater. Uh, I had, I already said something about my shock collars. I am well aware Already. I'm going to get a lot of hate mail. That's okay. I love reading. So you can send it, uh, send it to K9 info at K9 translators.com. And um, remember to always see your dog, hear your dog in order to help your dog. And protect first. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas about future podcasts, please email us at info at caninetranslators.com. That's canine translators with a K. Please like, comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. Remember to always try to see them, hear them, and help them. And protect first.